Should we do like a funny rock and roll thing or? Da, na, 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 na. <laughs> yeah, let's do the funny no, rock and roll good. thing where Joe sings rock and roll with his mouth. Da, na, 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 na. And then Nick <laughs> rock comes and roll in with week. the beatboxing. Da, na, Hello na, na, na. and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. <laughs> rock and roll episode <laughs> and for those wondering that was not the sound of amazon's alexa yeah that wasn't eric clapton no you guys might have thought we had a guest fan of the show Jimi hendrix here right, this fan week of the show. but but no it was nick with his mouth this week lit heads i am nick looking for the his mouth in the library <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> this week lit heads i am looking for the best rock and or roll book to help me of course our Two very hip, very hip high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Very hip. Boy, I'm so happy you said rock and or roll because mm. I brought a roll book this week. Is that <laughs> is that cool? Like, like bread? I brought, it's called it's called bread, flour, flour, yeast. sugar, yeast. Uh, no, I, I brought a rock and roll book this week. My name is Joe Holshue. I'm a high school English teacher. I'm a very rock and roll high school English teacher. Yikes. And uh, this week I brought a really really good book um it's about rock and roll well kind of it's by a famous rock musician her name is patty smith she wrote just kids in 2010 and nick i totally think you should read it dude gnarly righteous this is so bad i I do think it's interesting unlistenable (laughs) (laughs) uh litheads we are recording now with um our videos on these all of us have fast internet and i will say that looking at these two men opposite me I will say if Joe lost his extremely dorky horn rim glasses, uh, his tortoiseshell glasses, I would say he probably could look the most rock and roll of any of us because he has a he has a, a close cropped head. He has a big old beard. <laughs> okay. And I don't know. He's, you, he's wearing black. I, I could just see it. You think he's the coolest looking one among us? Not necessarily the coolest. That's obviously me, but I think the most rock and roll look like if, if people saw the three of us walking down the street, maybe yeah. 10 feet apart, they would, they would pinpoint me as the model. Obviously that's the cool they would one. Pinpoint, they would pinpoint you as the computer programmer, Nick, and mm. they would pinpoint Joe as the rock and roll star. This is the worst. Hey Jude, <laughs> it's been a hard day's night, but I'm ready to roll oh, over Beethoven God. and get back to where I once belonged. I am the walrus, Dr. Ian DeYoung, and this <laughs> week I read 150 glimpses of the Beatles, and I let it be the book I brought this week. Oh, also Maxwell Silverhammer. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely (laughs) enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Um, I just would like to uh, just very quickly stop the show entirely. Um, oh, no. uh, Litheads, I have been sitting here in a full-on garb of, of black cloak, and nobody's saying a word. Just this is going <laughs> along with it. I'm wearing a full-on cloak, and you guys it are good really with that. Just, no comments. It looks like it looks like a hoodie. Yeah, like we can't where- see like your hips. Yeah, show us your hips. Is it yeah. is it nice and warm? Oh, okay. Now I see it. As you lean back and we just see the center clasp, like that little like that little yeah, red that, riding hood that clasp, that, that really makes it look like a cloak. Yeah. No, and nobody even wants to know why I have a cloak. Why do you have a cloak, Nick? Yeah. Hey, hey, Nick, what's with the cloak, man? I don't know. Now I'm Prince thinking I shouldn't have a cloak because if, if you're wearing a cloak and nobody asks you why you have a cloak, <laughs> there's some life decisions right. that need to be addressed. I, I think we can have a fun game where we guess why Nick is wearing the cloak. Well, and I think Ian and I meet a lot of really strange kids who do things like yeah. wear cloaks to school sometimes. <laughs> we, we learn to not give them the validation that they seek. My guess for why Nick is wearing the cloak is he doesn't have any clean clothes and there's nothing underneath. <laughs> and uh, I think it has something to do with that pentagram and those candles burning behind Oh, him. yeah. Did you summon the Dark Lord himself? I got, well, our entire New Year's Eve party's canceled because of COVID. Um, and so now I'm, it was a masquerade party. And now I just have a cloak. <laughs> a podcast cloak. <laughs> well, welcome, Lit Heads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, cloakly podcast, where every week that we, a strongly podcast, where every week we pick a cloak and <laughs> where we pick a theme and 
um, Ian and Joe bring a book within that theme. And of course, uh, we pick a winner um, because we, 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 we strive for um, perfection here, I would say. Do you guys think that's fair? We strive for uh, perfection. And you know what? I would say nine weeks out of 10, we achieve perfection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah strive for and hit. So <laughs> congratulations, boys. <laughs> Uh, but we do have some rules, of course, because what fun show would be complete without rules? Um, rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers, gentlemen. That is, of course, for our lit heads uh, and, and my um, listening pleasure. I don't want to ruin something for somebody. This is These are good stories. And uh, rule number two, uh, omit needless words, Joe. Um, feel free to just continue editing. Yeah. And uh, rule number three, winning isn't everything. It's the only thing that matters to Ian and Joe. Mm -hmm. And also to the lit heads. Hey, Joseph, can you please, please take 30 seconds. Please Mm -hmm. take them. Here they are. Got them. I'll hand them over. They're um, in my pocket. And use them to tell us what your book is about. I'm going to spend them now. I'm taking them out of my pocket. Yeah. I am spending my 30 seconds. Uh, Nick, in 1967, Patty Smith, 21 years old, moved to Manhattan and got a job at a used bookstore. One night, she was on a date with a weirdo science fiction writer and looking to bail. And then around the corner came a curly-haired young man wearing jeans, a sheepskin vest, and strands of love beans around and a cloak. <laughs> he looked like a hippie shepherd boy. He was tripping on LSD and his name was Robert Maplethorpe. She ran up to him, asked if she would pretend wow. to be a boyfriend. That's just and so your time, man. What, was, what is okay. the book about? Not a it was sh- the d- most important moment yeah. of her life. It's about the relationship between Patty Smith and her longtime friend, lover, soulmate, buddy, artistic buddy, Robert Maplethorpe. All right, and I don't know who Patty Smith is, um, but that sounds so good. Ian, do you want to take 30 that. seconds? <laughs> Fan letters, eyewitness accounts of parties, police reports, newspaper accounts, interviews, tours, and biographies, both authorized and unauthorized. My book offers a kaleidoscopic array of competing perspectives on the Beatles. Beatles as an individuals, as a band, as a brand, as a global phenomenon. My book won Britain's foremost prize for nonfiction, and it reads really, really easy. It's called 150 Glimpses of the Beatles. It's by Craig Brown, and it is a listener recommendation. Wow, right on. Good job. Yeah. Um, that sounds pretty engaging. I have a lot of questions. Um, definitely for Ian. Um, I just had that one for Joe, which is who's Patty Smith. Um, so we'll get back to that. But Ian, do you want to kick us off here with some of your tasty... Your tasty beetles? Tasty tidbits. Yes. Crunchy, crunchy beetles. Mm, okay. Great protein. Uh, um, <laughs> this book was so much fun, you guys. This book was a this book was an absolute blast. I think maybe I should start with um but start by reading what Alicia said about this book because That's good. she yeah. what's up? Oh, I was just gonna say if I could just kick it off real quick, um, with just something real quick, Ian. Yeah. Okay. The Beatles. Oh, really good. Good, good. Wait, can I, I try? The, yeah, yeah, the, dude. <clears throat> the Beatles. The the. <clears throat> let me try it again. Okay. The Beatles. Oh, that's good. It's that's very, a little bit Scottish. It's a lot. Yeah, it's okay. a little Scottish. A, 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 more of a Harrison. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ian, Ian, do you want to try? I really, I don't. Okay, I'm I'll sorry. try. I'll try for book. him. Imagine, yeah. We'll just have to imagine what he's how he does it. <laughs> That's pretty. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, I did. Did either of you guys watch the the new Beatles documentary? No, I'm saving it for after this. After you present me this book, sweet. <laughs> I, Apparently, I walk so in nice. having a rich background. I've I've heard of mixed reviews. Some like <laughs> well, just some that it's it's way way too long. Um, but mm. others, well, are like, it is like eight hours long, isn't it? If you like the Beatles, like I think it depends. Really depends. Like, do you like enough, the Beatles, yeah. or are you just okay with them? If you like them, good news. There's a lot of Beatles content. <laughs> this book is not too long, though. This book is is um, relatively short. Uh, this is what Alicia says about this book. I just love this book and didn't want it to end, but like the brief glorious experience of the Beatles themselves, end it did. If you lived through this era and the Beatles were part of your life, then this book might be especially meaningful. Um, the author has a quirky and different approach, uh, in his previous book, 99 glimpses of princess Margaret. He uses the same approach here. It comprised of short chapters, sometimes only a paragraph filled with a mixture of stories, anecdotes, diaries, histories, and other forms of memories. Sometimes with a, with a photo inserted, there's no real linear progression to this book, though. I would disagree with Alicia there a little bit. 
Um, the impressions form a totality of the Beatles experience. Some of it was very moving and touching to me and uh, to me too, Alicia. Boy, uh, Alicia really took advantage of that whole form box on the website, yeah, well, didn't she? Like, like she just filled that son of a gun up. Many of our lit heads who submit do. It's, yeah, I, it's something I appreciate we, we do this. enjoy. Yeah. Because because I think so Alicia mentions in, in her, I didn't read this, but she she mentions like she lived through part of the Beatles time. Um, and so she has a connection to this that maybe the three of us don't um, right. because we're of, of a different generation that, that didn't, didn't live through. Because we're little babies. Uh, precisely, mm, who wear baby cloaks. Boys. Babies who wear cloaks. Babies in cloaks. Mm-hmm. That's adorable. Um, babies in cloaks. That's pretty cute. Good kids book. Or theme. <laughs> <laughs> Seems very specific. Um, yeah. I think one of the things she, she, she really gets right, she gets a lot of stuff right about this. I would agree with most of what Alicia says. Um, the, the, the value of the, the short kind of bite-size perspectives. Um, so uh, Craig Brown goes on a bunch of tours of Beatles kind of holy places and he describes them and he's pretty witty about how he describes them. So there's one tour he takes where the tour guide gets snippy at him for a recording. Um, so then he starts taking notes and she's like, why are you taking notes? And he's like, well, I can't record. <laughs> and she's, and then, and then, uh, he goes on a different tour with her husband and he has this whole yelling argument where the husband is like, you can't take notes on what I'm saying. And the um, Brown is like, yeah, but you say this to like 12,000 people a year. It's public information. The guy's like, I'm saving some of this for a book I'm writing. And they get into a hole. Um, so we get like his description of a Beatles tour he took. And then you might get a selection of fan letters that were written to Ringo Starr. And then we could go to an interview between um, John and Yoko and uh, a war correspondent who thinks that their attitude towards like peace in Vietnam is stupid. Um, There are 150 (laughs) of these 150 different bite-sized chunks. Each one gives you a slightly different perspective on the Beatles and they're brief. They're like the title says glimpses. None of these is definitive because none of them can be definitive. Um, There's a really good quote from Paul McCartney in in this book, um, kind of applied to something else, but he's talking about the Beatles experience. He says, in an earthquake, you get many different versions of what happened by all the people that saw it, and they're all true. you have you know just a handful of curated stories you'd like to, mm-hmm. to share with us almost like just give a mosaic us a glimpse. yeah break us up a glimpse early in the book uh we get us uh, uh some 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 glimpses of the beatles time when they were in germany uh they were playing uh for not very much money in a club in uh hamburg and george one time got really drunk and vomited on the floor and then refused george, to sorry, uh, refused to clean it up and this yeah. became kind of a, a band meme to the extent oh. that like they were throwing things in it. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> they named it. What did they name it? Uh, it doesn't say. Wait, 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 wait. The Lake say. of St. George. <laughs> Could be decent. anything. But but the way this the way this kind of develops is really it's gross. It's really gross, but it's also very much like these are teenagers and this is yeah. absolutely a teenager thing. You barf. You may be a little bit ashamed, but you're not going to clean it up because you're not the cleaning lady. And then you just refuse <laughs> and it becomes this whole thing that eventually it stops being gross and it starts being uh, kind of kind of funny. Another great story is I'm going to name my puke moving forward. I don't know how <laughs> this show is impacting you guys so far, but that's my New Year's resolution. That's your, ta- that's your takeaway. Good. Only if it's on the ground, I think. Like, I think if you puke in the toilet, you can't name it. You can't name it. Because then it becomes part well, of something pool. else. It's not a pool. It's not a pool of puke anymore. Yeah, it's, it's just, not a pool. It's, it's like, just diluted it's, water. Um, yeah. Water diluted with puke. Let me give you guys another another less gross story. So uh, <laughs> a big part of this book <laughs> is kind hard. of resurfacing from time to time is the extremely complicated relationship between the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So they were, they were both in London around the same time. They were, they were kind of rivals. You know, everyone knew like, Oh, Beatles are stones. Beatles are stones. Um, which by the way, um, Joe Beatles are stones. Uh, I mean, look, the stones are fine, but like obviously Beatles. Okay. Right. Like, like obviously Beatles. Uh, Nick, yeah, also obviously Beatles. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know. I like I get the stones kind of, but like right. nah, I'm sorry. 
Okay. I don't know. I think the I think the Beatles maybe wouldn't be so cool as if they were still wheeling them out for Super Bowl halftime. Yeah, shows, exactly. Right. Like, right. <laughs> maybe the best thing the Beatles ever did for their legacy was breaking up. But so the Beatles yeah. and the Stones have a, this very complicated relationship where where the Stones really respect the Beatles and the Beatles know that the Stones are kind of like raw in a way that the Beatles aren't. The Stones have this kind of like kind of energy to them that the, the Beatles yeah. are just they're just like the Beatles feel like they're getting kind of commercial. So the Stones throw this this party uh they they just come out with the album beggar's banquet and they throw this party to celebrate the premiere and it's a very like 1960s london music party there's tons of drugs tons of alcohol and paul walks in to the party halfway through and he goes over to the dj and he says hey it's me paul exactly he says hey it's me paul and he goes over to the dj paul, paul paul is here and he gives him a disc he gives him the 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 just cut check out this new floppy acetate disc of their new single hey jude Oof. oh love it and they play this Damn, in the right middle the party of the rolling stones party. party rolling stones yeah. and everyone party? it's a long song right it's like 7 minutes and <laughs> everyone in the in the party just shots up for seven yeah. minutes and 20 seconds as they're listening to their like they're listening to the sound of their minds being blown by this new single that's unbelievable. And there's this there's this amazing image of Mick Jagger just off in the corner raging because the freaking Beatles have done it again at their own party. <laughs> <laughs> they walked in you, with Beatles. an industry changing single and played it in the middle of the celebration of the Stones uh, album. Yeah, that's I, so I, rude. I always wonder about this came up a couple times recently. Like my wife and I just watched an Aretha Franklin movie and like there's this little bio of her writing the song Respect or I guess re-recording Otis Redding's Respect or like writing Hey Jude reminds me of it. When you write Hey Jude and you record Hey Jude, do you know that it's a huge deal? Like, 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 do you know, like, oh, well, this is going to change everything. Like when Aretha Franklin writes Respect, does she know this is going to change everything? Or is it like kind of a surprise to you? I, I think I think when you write Hey Jude, you're like, yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you kick down a door at at, a, at the other the the other largest rock band's party and it's like I have a song to play, yeah, I think you know it's pretty good. <laughs> hey guys, cool party, listen to this. <laughs> he would not have done that, I think, if he had if he had had any doubts about the quality of Hey Jude. Did, um, did oh, it, can you imagine if it sucked? Like if he played like <laughs> Octopus's Garden or something, or Yellow Submarine. What I know about that song is it, he changed the name. It was about yeah, it was, I'm so, sure somebody's wife. No, it was it was about um, <laughs> it was about no, somebody's son, John Lennon's son. So yeah, John, Lennon, John Lennon's son. John Lennon is kind of like this distant, um, bitter. He comes off in the book as kind of like a distant, um, uh, grouchy. He was traumatized and and not not the best dad. So Paul is actually closer to John John Lennon's son than John is. Paul is like kind of like a, a really a really cool uncle. And um, there was a car accident, and there's some like uh, there's some like injuries, and and Paul is kind of consoling um, John's son is named Julian, consoling him, and so he writes the song "Hey Jules." And they're like, nah, a little too close. Let's let's change it a bit. So, um, hey, Jude is written for for this kid that that his his dad is kind of. I mean, John is John is a very strange person. Um, comes off as very yeah. We odd. don't have to get into John's terrible, terrible personal life here. <laughs> Just move past it and enjoy um, the Beatles. <laughs> well, so so enjoy the Beatles. I want to ask you guys how how big of Beatles fans are you? Like, how much do you what what's your level? You know what? I'm not going to ask you that. I'm not going to ask you that. I have a highly scientific uh, uh, exam to de- determine that. But first, Ooh. I want to say that you don't have to enjoy the Beatles. Like, you don't have to be a super fan for this book to be fun. This is a great book. I like the Beatles. I know many of their songs, but I'm not a hardcore fan. I still enjoyed this book. However, since gatekeeping is important to fandom, I am going to ask right. if you're worthy Crucial. of this book. Yeah, so um, we have a we have a Beatles entrance exam, and Litheads, you can play along at home. I want to emphasize this exam is rapid fire, so I, I don't want you hemming excellent. and hawing. I don't want explanations. I want you to tell me, bang, 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 what you know. So, Nick. Bang, bang, boom. Every, Nick, rule two for everybody. Yeah. Nick, name, name two Beatles. Uh, John and Paul. Joe, name two Beatles. Rango and George. Okay. Oof. Nick, name three Beatles songs. Uh, hey Jude. 
Yellow Submarine, and Lady Madonna. Good. Joe, wow. three songs. Um, good. Uh, get Back, Octopus's Garden, and When I'm 64. Great. Mm. Hey, Nick, name two Beatles albums. Oh, the White Album and Abbey Road. This is, feels really easy. Oh, well, I don't know, because now I feel like... We must oh be boy, huge fans. Th- this is where I'm less of a fan, because I... Uh, oh, shoot. Revolver and... Uh, Beatles collection of number one hits <laughs> that was released when I was in college. <laughs> and the re-release of the White Album. <laughs> all, all out. Technically, technically, the White Album is not called the White Album. It's called the Beatles, but whatever. Um, oh, Rubber Soul, Rubber Soul. Good, good, good. You're, you're, you guys yeah. are neck and neck. Um, Joe, where were the Beatles from? What town? Um, they were famously from Liverpool. Good. Uh, Nick, which of the Beatles said, we're bigger than Jesus? Oh. Man, that's got to be John. It is John. I feel like, um, yeah. oh, good job. Uh, Joe, what European country did the Beatles spend time in earlier in the, early in their career? Uh, you already said they played in Hamburg. Yes, good. Well, that's not a country Germany, that's Germany, Germany. Germany. Nick, what Asian country did they spend time in late in their career? Oof. Oh, beans. Um, it's with um, the guy. They like that guy and his funky with, guitars. With his guitar. <laughs> um, his magic guitars. Um, <laughs> India? That's right. Has yes. To be. Okay. Has to be. Okay. And the last question, this is for all the marbles because oh, you guys are tied. You're, you're right. super fans. Nick, why did the Beatles break up? Uh, Cause John's a, John's a quitter. John's a quitter. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. I actually have no idea why they break. Why John they broke was a heroin up. addict. I, yeah. I do think there was a lot of turmoil between Paul and John. I think they didn't get along. Yes. Good. Yeah. Uh, th- so that, that last question is kind of a cop out. Cause there's no, like they didn't say this is the official reason, uh, there yeah. are a variety. We'll talk about that in a second. This book works though. Um, if you enjoy their music or if you know every word to every one of their songs, or even if you're just like an amateur entomologist and you really like insects called beetles. So, um, the, <laughs> right. the gate, the For gate sure. is completely open. I am not keeping the gate anymore. Anyone can read this book and all of you should. I, I like the idea that 25 of these glimpses are just like articles about actual bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so the, I want to get to this, this breakup question. Cause this is kind of the book. Um, uh, the one place I would disagree with Alicia is, um, that the book doesn't have a linear progression. It does progress through time. So the book does kind of begin early in their, their career. And it ends with their breakup. It ends with like them separating, going their separate ways. So the last question is really interesting. Why did they break up? And this is, I think the burning question for a lot of Beatles fans. This is where we're going to leave it today. Um, some people say it was, it was Yoko Ono. Some people say it was the John Paul dynamic. Um, some people say George was a really good songwriter and he was getting grouchy. Um, finances, <laughs> burnout, lack of direction. Their manager, Brian Epstein died uh, of an overdose and they didn't really have a, a kind of a guide after that. Maybe they were getting disillusioned. I think the Beatles as an entity is kind of a young man's thing and they were getting to be 30. And when you get 30, you get, you get a little bit more cynical about the world and it's hard to be, it's hard to have a Beatles mindset when you turn like 32. Um, when I'm 32 Brown, I think (laughs) tries to answer this question. Why did they break up over the course of the last half of the book? And it's really interesting that he totally blames Yoko Ono. So he described much of the book is very kind of hands off. He's like, Hey, here's this documentation. Here's this story. Here's this account of this party. But when he gets to Yoko, he describes her pretty negatively. She's creepy. She's out of touch. She's kind of a con artist. Maybe he says she's weird. He has this whole thing mocking her tweets about smiling and like her tweets, her tweets. She tweets some pretty dumb stuff about like how if more people smiled, the world world peace would happen, which I don't think Mm -hmm. that's how I mean, I'm not Robert Heinlein. I'm not going to say shoot your problems with guns, but I also don't think you can smile your problems away. Can't just shoot your problems with smiles. Exactly. How many how many of these glimpses are tweets in? Oh, very few. Very few. This is this is a very rooted in historical documents and so on and so forth. But the, the, the weird thing that's interesting to me about this book is, is he sets out, I think to be as uh, he sets out to not weigh in and he ends up kind of weighing in. Sounds like he super weighs in in that. (laughs) And, and I don't know if he's aware of it, but Yoko kind of comes, there's very little like 
And then she did this cool, wonderful thing. It's most of it, most of these glimpses <laughs> Doesn't of... Doesn't feel balanced, huh? <laughs> um, so, I mean, he, he clearly has an idea there, but it's a really funny book. Um, there are these amazing fan letters. I don't, I don't have time to read the fan letters, but the, they're they're so good. They're so good and so ridiculous. Um, but the, the most kind of pleasant, surprising fact is that the connection is the, the Hobbit fact, our Hobbit fact for today. <laughs> oh, um, I did not see that comment. No, I, maybe no. I should have. I'd like, like it's a book about England. It's, yeah. You know, well, and they yeah. were, they were alive concurrently with our friend Tolkien himself. So, uh, mm-hmm. the Beatles made the movies hard days night and they made the movie help. And they also did their magical mystery tour TV Total special. Bangers. Um, and so they were kind of casting around. There's this whole wonderful story about them hiring this playwright who, was kind of a hack and ended up repurposing a bunch of a novel that he wrote and then getting murdered by his boyfriend before. Anyway, they're like, we don't want that one. Let's do the Lord of the Rings. Let's film the Lord of the Rings. And um, we have an an addendum to our game. Um, Which character, Nick, do you think Paul would play? In Lord of the Rings? Yes. Who is Paul? Is there an answer to this? There is an answer. Yes, there is they an answer. It. Okay, they cast. It. Um, who's Paul? Who's Paul? Who's Paul? God, you know, the ego on this guy is unbelievable. There's no way he's not Frodo. He's Frodo. Yes, you have one. Yeah, point. of course he's Frodo. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. Who who does who does Ringo play? Oh, ooh, okay. Oh man, I really thought you were going to ask me about John. Um, no. I, was, I was ready for John. Ringo, I think is. I think he's Gimli. I, I, th- I think he's the dwarf. <laughs> That's a good guess, but it's wrong. Nick, do you want to, do you want to steal this one? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that, uh, he is, um, Gollum. No, you're wrong too. <laughs> I, I, okay. Let's, let's keep going until one of us gets it. Uh, I say he's Aragorn. No. Sauron. No. Gandalf. You're never going to get it. Ringo. What? Ringo as Sam. So Paul is Frodo and Ringo is Samwise Gamgee. Who's, uh, who does George play? Who does George play? Nick. It's over to you. Gollum. No. Gandalf. Joe. Gandalf is correct. You guys are tied with one mm. point. Last one. Joe, Joe, you get to start us off. Who does John, Aragorn. who does John 100%. play? He, he's the leader. He's the boss. Aragorn. No. Oh, John. Sauron. No, Nick. Sorry, Joe. Smog the dragon. No. <laughs> um, you guys are going to have to end up tied because John was slated to play Gollum. Damn it. Wow. I should have known. So, so this is so they, weird. Like <laughs> they cast this, right? They were like, Paul is Frodo, Ringo is Sam, George is Gandalf, John is Gollum, the, the four main characters, obviously, of The Lord of the Rings. And then they went where they wrote to Tolkien. And so they were like, Mr. Tolkien, Professor Tolkien, would we please have your permission to make this a movie? And he's like, well, uh, last week, last week, there was a band playing really annoying, loud rock music in their garage down the road. And I hated it. You guys are a band, right? I don't like bands right now. No, you may not. And he turned him down because he was grouchy about the kids down the street playing music in their garage. So that is your Hobbit fact of the day. And honestly, I mean, That's thank probably you. Fine. Thank you, Tolkien. But also I would have loved to have seen John. As well. I don't know. Have you seen that movie? Help. That thing stinks. <laughs> what a, exactly. What's that joke? It would have been I was weird. just going to say, I feel like that would go down in the annals of history as like the Star Wars Christmas special, where yeah. it was something that, that both the Beatles and J.R.R. Tolkien did everything they could to destroy yes. after the fact. And it only existed as weird bootleg gobbies. Yes, I like it. Hey, do you guys know how um, history is really, really boring? And that's why you became English teachers. Mm. Uh, Do you guys have any books that could make history more exciting? Nick, I've got a book that makes history extremely excited. Um, This week, I want to read 112263, which is a man who goes back in time and tries to stop JFK from being assassinated. It, hey, Nick, history comes to life. Um, yeah, I'll bring Bram Stoker's Lair of the White Worm, which is a history book and it's fictional and... You shouldn't take it too much for truth. It's not quite true. Joseph. Oh, yeah. Joseph. Nick. Who is Patty Smith? Uh, and I just want to start off here by saying, Joe, if you want to honor the memory of Patty Smith, you need to be as punk rock as possible throughout this entire. So that means, you know, 
saying the same three words over and over, mm-hmm. uh, screaming same most of what chords, you say, sticking, doing Beatles impressions. <laughs> That's obviously, that is the most punk rock thing. As, is as punk rock as you can get. Um, it would be weird to honor the memory of Patti Smith because Patti Smith is super alive. <laughs> she's rest in peace. As Patty. we record, she's actually trending on um, on the internet because she just was awarded the key to New York City. So Sweet. congratulations, Patti Smith, on your key. Uh, she does not seem qualified for that. Well, that's you. You still don't know who she is. <laughs> um, Nick Patty Smith is a rock musician. She's she's a rock and roller. She was the head of the Smiths, right? The band, the Smiths. Uh, n- no, she was not. Let me check. I don't know that for sure because totally I'm not. not. Hey, Joe, I know who she is. I'm just fucking with you. Keep going. Wait, Tell you me know about who your she book. is? Yeah. Okay. So Patty Smith is a rock and roll musician. Um, she's sometimes called the poet laureate of punk rock, which is a really pretty great title to have. Yeah, it's really good, right? This book, Just Kids, written in 2010, won the National Book Award. Ian's talking about his big fancy award. It's not a National Book Award. Like, I won a National Book Award. Um, Your your book did. did. Wait, what? (laughs) You mean the book you're presenting this week did? Yes, Patty Smith won a National Book Award. Joe has been waiting for this moment to drop on us that he personally is a recipient. That's crazy. We should be using that, Joe. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, okay, Nick, this book is weird, though, because while Patti Smith is a musician, famous punk rock musician, mm-hmm. this book is almost 0% about her life as a rock and roller. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise to me as well. It's a rock. <laughs> I, I don't usually do this, but it's a rock and roll book. That's not about rock and roll, really? Yeah, well, Patti Smith is just so rock and roll that like um, any book about her is going to be a rock and roll um, book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Nick, this book, t- okay, it's a memoir. And it's a memoir about a very specific time in her life. Actually, it, a lot of times we get memoirs that are set between, you know, certain stages or, you know, certain years. Or sometimes sure. we get a memoir like Stephen King's On Writing, which is about like his life as a writer and all the other stuff that happens in his life, you know, like his marriage, his kids, like just takes a back seat to him telling the story about his life as a writer. Yeah. This memoir focuses entirely on her relationship, her friendship, kind of romantic relationship, soulmate relationship, artistic collaboration with a guy named Robert Maplethorpe. Nick, have you ever heard that name before? No, but I do enjoy hearing it. Yeah, it's a good name, right? It's Robert a wonderful Maplethorpe. name. Yeah. Yeah. So Patty Smith moves to New York City. She's from New Jersey. She's kind of a young, starving artist. She moves there because she wants to live in the city. She moves she's there hungry. because she wants to do art. She's hungry. She's 21 <laughs> years old. And kind of by chance, she meets this guy, Robert Maplethorpe, who hangs out in the used bookstore that she works in. Um, Robert Maplethorpe is not a name that I knew before I read this book, but he's a really cool and interesting guy. He's okay. an artist himself. He would go on to become famous, um, probably not to the level of Patti Smith's fame, but really famous in the right circles. Um, he's a visual artist. And Nick, I, I see you Googling over there right now. Do me a favor and Google Robert Maplethorpe photography and uh, prepare to be shocked. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I'm Googling it. And okay, yeah, this is deeply disturbing. Uh, off the bat, we see a lot of um, black leather and mm-hmm. um, uh, lots of peen. Yeah, um, almost exclusively penis. Yeah. Okay. So Robert Maplethorpe was a visual artist. He was yeah. a painter. He was a sculptor, and kind of I don't want to say late in his career, but it's like the second half of this book. But this book really doesn't cover like that much time. Um, he gets into photography and he becomes famous. He kind mm-hmm. of makes a name for himself. It's good work. It's it's really cool and it's really striking. It's also like yeah, pretty black and white X rated in a lot of ways. Very right? X rated. We see Patty yeah. uh, as his muse in several of the photos. Absolutely. We're going to close out this tab uh, immediately <laughs> and clear my search history. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Robert Maplethorpe was a guy that kind of broke into fame for photographing these pretty taboo things. He was um, really involved in the gay BS, B, BSDM, BDSM. I always mix it up. B, B, BDSM. BDSM. BS. I think it's BD. BDSM? No, no. BSDM. BSDM. A BSDM is when your DM is being really, really oh, silly. Right. Like, oh, it's Got a house it. rule. 
good. All right. Well, this is BDSM. And he got famous for like kind of bringing this community to light, right? Like, oh, really? He, he has a lot of like, you know, photographs of dudes in leather or wearing gimp suits or or whatever. Uh, Litheads, do yourself a favor if you're so inclined. Google Robert Maplethorpe photography. It's super interesting and yeah, pretty, we'll, uh, pretty we'll shocking. probably link some on socials. I can't post these to social media. I'll link the <laughs> Google search. It covers, I guess, technically from like 1967 when they met until 1989 when he when he dies. Um, he dies in the in the late 80s. Uh, but like the vast majority of it happens in the six years between 1967 and 1973 when they were both living in New York City as I mean, literally starving artists mm. like there's stories in this book of, you know, they talk about how poor they were and how starving they were. And there's stories in this book of how the two of them would go to Coney Island to split a hot dog and Robert would eat the hot dog and she would eat the sauerkraut from the top of the hot dog. That's <laughs> like not that's, fair at all. That's a no. completely unfair split. I mean, sauerkraut's great, but, but that's unbelievable. You said, yeah, it's, is she from Germany? Was he kind She's of from uh, New Jersey? Was he kind oh, of like New Germany? <laughs> was he was he kind of like bossing her around in the relationship? He was like, "Hey, you know what? I'll eat the I'll hot dog. The if bread, you I'll get the bread some. and the hot dog. If you okay, want something, okay. you better eat. You can have the onions that are on top. Here, they have free ketchup. You can have <laughs> all of the free ketchup. Don't put no, ketchup okay. on hot dogs. Well, sometimes it's good. So just you know what I mean. Yeah, just relax, people. Litheads. Relax, Chicago. Yeah, so it's funny, like, talking about the dynamic in their relationship, because, like, that is where most of the action in this book settles around. And their relationship yeah, is really weird. What like, is the action, Joe? Where's this? Why? Is, who cares? Why are they interesting? Are they only interesting if you enjoy uh, the the people here? Okay, yep. When I, the first half of this book, when I first started reading this book, I kind of didn't get it. Like, like I didn't get why it was a big deal. She told this story about her moving to New York. She met this dude who was like a pretty interesting character. They had a lot of interactions with their like bohemian friends. But she kept like throughout the book, she kept like dropping these proper nouns, like talking about these people in the book, people in the book and people that meant nothing to me, like people I hadn't heard of before. And after a while, I started to be like, I think she's describing like a very famous community, like a very famous thing that sure. I just straight up don't know about. This is Greenwich Village, right? This is like, well, this is like, yeah, maybe Greenwich Village. She never uses those words. She like she talks about things like, um, like Andy Warhol and his factory. You didn't she, know who Andy Warhol was? Well, no, I knew who. Andy, that's not a good example. I know who Andy Warhol is. Um, but she talks about like. Ian and Nick, do you guys know what the Chelsea Hotel is? Like, have you heard of the Chelsea Hotel? Yeah. No. Nick, Nick, you said yes so simply, but the look on your face makes me feel like you don't actually know what yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it looks like a pose. Mm -hmm. Well, you asked me if I, I know what it is. I've heard of it. Okay, so the Chelsea Hotel is a place that these two live for a little while in the late 60s, early 70s. And it is something I'd never heard of before, but is a super famous hotel for artists and film directors and musicians. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. I'm just going to break off some people that just have read us Wikipedia, Joe. Chelsea. Let's have that segment. Joe um, reads Wikipedia. Mark Twain, O. Henry, Dylan Temis, Arthur C. Clark, Sam Shepard, Arthur Miller, Tennessee Williams, Jack Kerouac, Thomas Wolf, uh, friend of the show. Uh, also like musicians, the Grateful Dead, Patti Smith, Jim Morrison, Iggy Pop, Bob Dylan, right? Like, like this is, yeah, it's, it's like, ground zero for art in new york city this of is all like times. late late 60s this is late 60s yeah. early 70s and it is like the nucleus that like that patty smith orbits around here mm, right. that's a mixed metaphor it is the sun that patty smith and this artistic community orbit around <laughs> the first half of this book i didn't get it like i didn't get what the big deal was Okay. Then I started like but then, researching things that, that I came across or reading Wikipedia pages. I probably spent as much time reading Wikipedia like <laughs> as I spent reading this book. <laughs> but, but like but like things that I learned about in this are the Chelsea Hotel, I've talked about already, Andy Warhol and his factory. 
I had heard of Andy Warhol, but like I really got into an Andy Warhol rabbit hole. I started watching like his films. He made a film called Chelsea Girls, which was like filmed entirely in the Chelsea Hotel. Um, Max's Kansas City, Arthur Rimbaud, Robert Maplethorpe, Patti Smith. Um, also, like one great thing that came out of this is I started listening to Patti Smith radio on my Spotify. Nice. And like, just like the not just Patti Smith, but like that universe of yeah. music is so effing good. Like yeah. it, it has enriched my life so much this last week. So Nick, number one reason to read this book, tons of secret learning. It, it's interesting. you say that you say that because mm-hmm. I've, I felt the same, like reading about the Beatles. I was like, dang, I'm going to go listen to all Beatles stuff now. Yeah. So Joe is it okay. So am I, to, am I to understand Joe, that this is a whole world that you didn't know about in like, one could argue the peak of American music popularity, and rock and roll art popularity, and photography, and, art and like and these worlds yes. colliding, right? And this is kind of like a real behind the scenes look on yeah. that time from a maybe um well, well like a super insider, an, an unexpected perspective. It's that's exactly what it is. Like there was a lot of stuff in this book that I had seen glimpses of right mm-hmm. you know that that i was like oh that sounds familiar but this book is like the insider's view on what mm-hmm. it was actually like and it was awesome like i'm super happy i read it for just that reason if nothing else sounds pretty good patty smith in this artistic community is kind of an outsider. Like she's an artist. She's like living here. She has a studio like like just outside the Chelsea Hotel that she shares with Robert Maplethorpe. But she's like not, she's not in the in group, right? So we always kind of get her as like a little bit detached, a little bit com- a little bit of her commentary on the people who are in the yeah. in group. She's not going to Rolling Stone parties and putting on one of her songs. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But because of who she's in proximity with, this book is filled with anecdotes of her meeting really famous people and having really like innocent interactions with them. So hmm. for example, at one point she's at the diner down the street She's buying a sandwich and the prices of the sandwiches have gone up. This is she's uh, a little bit later in her career. They've gone up from 40 cents a sandwich to 50 cents a sandwich. Ooh. I'll just register <laughs> my disapproval that I went to Trader Joe's and the two buck chuck is now three forty nine. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's Boo. heartbreaking. Boo. So she's 10 cents short for a sandwich here. Allen Ginsberg is in line behind her, right? Like famous poet, like Allen Ginsberg is in line behind her. He says, hey. Ginsy. Ginsy. Allen Gins. Yep. He's like, I can spot you 10 cents for a sandwich. And by the way, let me buy you a cup of coffee. So he gives her the 10 cents for a sandwich. He buys her a cup of coffee. And then they sit at the table together and he's like chatting her up a little bit. He's being like a little flirtatious with her, which Nick might surprise you if you knew that Allen Ginsberg was famously homosexual, right? Like was famously gay. And here he is like hitting on Patty Smith. Partway through this conversation, he goes, wait a second, are you a girl? And Patty <laughs> Smith is like, yeah, I'm a girl. And oh, he's like, man. oh, I'm so sorry. I, I thought you were a very pretty boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he like leaves her alone. And he gets like, up and leaves. Boy, that's a uh, awkward. Do you think he got the check? I, I think he did pick up the check. I yeah, think it was like a pay at the counter sort oh, of thing. So he so did I think kind was, of pay up the check. So maybe he just felt like, well, I can be as rude as I want to on this on this well, particular okay. lunch. <laughs> and that's one of the crazy things about this book is like Patty Smith is kind of famously androgynous right like that that interaction happens a few times in here of people mistaking her for a guy people mistaking her for like kind of a rough looking lesbian people mistaking her as like a junkie right and she's like yeah i was none of those things i was just like a starving artist but yeah she's got all sorts of like innocent little interactions like janice joplin she has a scene with like william s burroughs jim jimmy hendrix the two of them are hanging out outside of a party at one point and she's she has like forgotten her ticket so she's like, well, I don't want to make a big scene and like go in. And then Jimi Hendrix is hanging out outside with her and she's like, hey, why don't you go in? And he's like, oh, um, people never believe this about me, but I'm actually like super shy in crowds. <laughs> like I don't like parties, which is a crazy thing for Jimi Hendrix to tell you. 
You know what this? Uh, you know what this book reminds me of? It sounds interesting, Joe. You know what it reminds me of is uh, watching uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel, where it's like that's kind of where the show is going. Where it's like, hey, here's all these like little bios of these people, and like yeah. here are the people that she was hanging out with, and little celebrity voyeur. Yeah, as and, they and say like in Germany. And and like that's just kind of the fun stuff in this book. Like the heart of this book is, you know, Patty Smith is a poet and we didn't even touch on any of that. Like she's oh, a poet. Like she starts turning her <laughs> poems into like these punk rock songs. And the first album that she ever makes is seen to this day as just a total classic. Right. And she's she never thought of herself as a musician. <laughs> like that's like the hmm. last thing that happens in this book. The thing that we know Patty Smith for today, she's like, hey, I'm going to write about this whole, this whole book about my relationship with this dude, like my good friend, Robert Maplethorpe. And yeah, I'm going to get to be a musician. Like I'm going to get to be Patty Smith by the end of this book, but that is not what this book is about, right? Like this book is about me and this community and this dude. And just her voice in this book is really earnest and beautiful and hopeful and like kind of like naive and like youthful, but it's also just like a really compelling look at this community as told from the inside, but kind of like an outsider on the inside. An in outsider. And in an in they should just call it an insider. Inside no, outer. That Probably sense. just an, an insider. inside outer. Insider. These both sound very different, um, <laughs> kind of, but also they sound the same because they're both just little behind the scenes of rock and roll, which is, hey, guys, really good because it's rock and roll week. So it's rock and roll week. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we, we read the, the assignment. We understood the we assignment. We did the assignment. You did. You understood the assignment. Um, so on one hand, we have Ian's book, which sounds like a fun romp of making Mick Jagger uh, feel bad, um, which that sounds very enticing um, really good right and then the puke story which obviously has its own merits mm -hmm. uh but joe your sounds like sub something of uh, uh some some substance to the culture maybe that was going on at the time especially in new york which is maybe more than a coffee table book other people's words not mine um <laughs> hmm that's a tough one here i'm gonna get a quarter okay that nick uh lithead's nick has left his microphone. He's left his station. We can't see. Oh, he's back. I'm back. He's wearing a All cloak. Right. I found a quarter. <laughs> I use it. Um, it's a, it's a 10, 10 pesos from Dominican Republic. So nice. I'm not sure if that's even, even an even weighted coin. Um, Can you tell what heads and tails is on it? Nick? Yeah, like, is there's there a obviously a head. There's an obvious doesn't have a head is probably tails. I'm going to go ahead and assume, assume this is one of their dictators who was <laughs> responsible for genocide on one side. And then on the other side, it just says 10 pesos and it has like some sort of crest. So heads um, or that's a dictator crest. That's a dictator crest. So I'm going to flip this and, um, oh, okay. Well, who should call it? I, all right. I'm going to get another coin. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, Nick has I don't, left I don't again. have any coins. Back. Uh, sorry, I don't have call. any more coins here. So, Joe, why don't you just call it? You usually go uh, first with these things. So, you call absolutely. it. Absolutely. Do you want me to call it in the air? I don't know. Yeah, call. Uh, it's not going to flip very far. So, just this is a heavy okay, coin. Yep. And your thumbs are weak. Okay. In that after. in that case, call it now, please. I, I'm going to call tails. Tails. Everybody knows that in the Dominican Republic, tails it's tails. Fails. Yeah, boy. All right. Congratulations, Ian. Oh, um, no. Joe, you lose. <laughs> what sort of jam up is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, no, that was. We were looking. Was, we were looking was, for heads on that one. So that was very <laughs> punk rock. The way that ended. Ian, it sounds like. Uh, it sounds like I. W I would like. I would want more. I want yes. more of the Beatles, yes. and this book is going to give it to me. So it congratulations. Does. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Ian. Congratulations to the Beatles. Congratulations, Patti Smith. I'm sorry I let you down, but you have that key to New York City to um, yeah. So it's not to, all bad. To cry into. Yeah, yeah. Any door in the city, Patti Smith. All right, Lidheads. If you want to rock our roll, if you want to heads our <laughs> tails, you can head on over to you don't know podcast dot com. The best thing that you can do is suggest a theme, suggest a book. We read them all, and we 
choose some of them and read them for the show. Um, and we always love reading listener recommendations. Um, beyond that, tell a bookish friend about it. Review us on social media. Five stars, if you please. Wait, that's not how social media works. Review it, us on podcast it, it, apps. So follow us on social. We are everywhere. If you want to see some Robert Maplethorpe photos, you can follow us on OnlyFans, which uh, Nick is now keeping up diligently. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Ian and the Beatles. Yes, congratulations. Well, the, the Beatles. Beatles need a, just a little bit more attention. That's what I just, right. I mean, yeah, Patty Smith is still around. Really struggling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them. Okay. Uh, for my for my victory quote, I'm going to read a couple of these fan letters that were written. They're very short and they're incredible. This is absolutely a high point of the book. Um, and they need no introduction. So here we go. Dear Beatles, I told my mother that I can't imagine a world without the Beatles, and she said she could easily. Loyal forever at Lily K, Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> Dear Beatles. <laughs> Lily Kay's mom, boo. Dear Beatles, I have 826 pictures of the Beatles and am just beginning. All my love, Diana A, New York City. Dear Beatles, we have started a Beatles fan club. So far, we have two members. I am club president and Winifred is vice president in charge of new members. Your fans, Gloria J and Winifred Z. Dear Beatles, please dedicate your next song to me. If you do, it will be a terrific seller because I have loads of friends and they will all buy the record. Your fan, Irma. <laughs> your fan Jude <laughs> <laughs> dear Beatles please call me on the telephone my number is 629-7834 if my mother answers hang up she is not much of a Beatle fan Love that. <laughs> dear Beatles I am a loyal fan I have every one of your records and I don't even have a record player all right dearest sweetest Beatles I have Beatle pictures all over my room I have Beatle pictures all over my bed I have Beatle pictures over my desk I have Beatle pictures in my closet I have Beatle pictures over my bookcase my mother hopes you are just a fad Love from a Beatle fan all the way. And here's the best one. I thought it was Dr. Seuss. This is written, uh, this is from Joan G. in St. Paul, Minnesota. And she writes this in all caps. So I'm going to yell it. So you're going to yell at us. Okay, great. I'm ready. Stand back from the mic a little bit. Dear Beatles, do you think that you could sing at our school dance on May 15th? The reason is nobody ever sang at our school dance except Marsha Goldman, who was in grade 10. Marsha sings okay, but she always forgets the words. Please say yes. <laughs> Incredible. That was pretty good. Happy birthday, Beatles. Happy birthday, Beatles. Is that what it is? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs>